Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the mailbag edition here at Southeastern 14. SEC basketball mailbag, that is. I'm Chris Lee, joined by Blake Lovell and Max Barr. A reminder, this content presented to you by Online. The NFL playoffs are here. The NBA season is in full swing. BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today. Get in on the action. See all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE. To get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. <laughs> uh, all right. It looks like we're starting with our man, Eli Wilson. Uh, his friends call him Zach, don't they, Blake? Chris um, Lee calls him Zach Wilson. He thinks he's the quarterback of the Jets. Um, he's not. He's Eli. And we're starting the mailbag with Eli's question, which is, what does Mississippi State's record need to be in the SEC to be comfortably outside the bubble and in the tournament? All right. Well, let me break it down for you. So right now they're one and three. Uh, they're, they got a good win over Tennessee. They're eleven. They're twelve and five overall. Thirty in Ken Palm. The computers think they're still pretty good. I still think they're pretty good. Um, I mean, what's their record need to be? I, I I can safely assume that their record just needs to be five hundred in SEC play, and I think they'll be in the tournament as always. It always matters who you beat uh, and who you lose to. Long as they don't drop a game to Vanderbilt, Missouri. I mean, sorry, but Arkansas right now. Um, that's the good news is they only play Vanderbilt once. They only play Missouri once. I mean, yeah. So I, it actually works out. I think Mississippi State because they play Auburn twice. They got Alabama still um, again. So they've already played them once. So they got an opportunity to get another win there. Their strength of schedule is going to stay high because they get Kentucky, of course. I, I think as long as – if they're 9-9, nine and nine, I think they're in. So, Yeah, my answer was just going to be split. Just split the rest of the year and you're there. there's no worry. That's my, that's my final answer. Blake, you broke it down well enough. Just split. Yeah, I think that's mine too, which is exactly where Ken Palm has Mississippi State this morning. And, and you look at the wins, uh, Washington State and Northwestern would be on the outside of the NCAA tournament bubble today, but both teams that, you know, with the, with the hot finish would have a chance to get in. Those yeah. are neutral court wins. North Texas, another team, I think North Texas is leading Conference USA at this point. Um, 62 in Ken Palm, other computers have got North Texas in that range. I, I don't know if the win semi-away Rutgers is going to do anything, but those are, those are wins that – that probably pads your profile a little bit, maybe in places where we're not looking. I, I think if State goes 9-9, nine and nine, I have a hard time thinking, especially with the Tennessee win in its back pocket already. Now, look, the, the, the path to where maybe it doesn't happen is if you're beating teams that don't make the tournament and you're not cashing in an opportunities against maybe a Kentucky or an Auburn, Florida, if it made the tournament, maybe Alabama. Maybe, maybe who the wins are matters, but – I don't know. You, you saw some what I think Auburn and Arkansas got in eight and ten a year ago, and didn't have incredibly impressive. State got in eight and ten a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and and, and the wins weren't always great, but but it was good well, enough. I was going to get to that. So they got in eight and ten a year ago. 
their best SEC wins. They beat Arkansas, who was 22 in Ken Palm, Texas A&M, who was 33. That was it. I mean, they yeah. beat Missouri, who was 57. So I mean, Missouri ended up being a, a seven seed. But um, outside of that, they had the one Marquette win in non-conference play, and that was about it. So I think this year, though, again, they've already got the Tennessee win. Um, they just need to probably pick up three really good wins somewhere else. And again, obviously you can't lose every other game, but I don't think that's going to happen. So they get to nine and nine. I think they're safely in. All right. Next up. Jaron. Good friend of the show. I have a strong feeling this Arkansas team will go as far uh, as Devo would take it. If he starts to resemble any past version of himself, does Arkansas have a chance to make the tournament? So a lot of tournament talk here. Uh, everybody, of course, Arkansas is starting way further behind than Mississippi State is now. Does Arkansas have a chance to make the tournament? Well, they're what in the net? Are they are they out of the hundreds yet? In that, or are they still there? Um, I know you guys like to check, check the net every talking. morning I as you you need the net as much as you need air and water. Um, I don't. One hundred seven. Arkansas is one hundred seven in the net right now, Ooh. so they got a long way to go. Can they make the tournament if if Debo becomes his past self? Sure, because that means they're getting a you know a player that's really going to push them to I think a lot of wins down the stretch here. But that's where that thing things start to get tricky for Arkansas is your loss column matters too. Like we always like to focus on the wins, but how many games you lose also matters. And so they have seven right now. They have how many games left to go this season? What? Um, 14, I think. So, you know, do the math. It's, you, you gotta, you gotta win quite a few games the rest of the way. I think if you're Arkansas and here's their best opportunities, they're going to get Kentucky at home home against Tennessee, at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, at Kentucky, at Alabama. You're starting to see a trend here. Um, Arkansas is going to have to pick up some good wins on the road if I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, they can take care of their business at home, but I think one of the issues there is going to be, you know, as of right now, again, things can change, but I think if you look at the home games, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, LSU. Again, we think some of these teams are trending in the right direction, but right now it's a little iffy. Georgia, those are all teams that by no means are locks to make the NCAA tournament. So you have to win those games, but you also have to go pick apart a couple teams on the road. So Devo being his past self would help them get there. Uh, but right now I still think it's it's just, I mean, look, we have one game since the, the bottom fell out. And so for me, it's still a, a long road to get to the tournament yeah very long road i'm not even really thinking about the tournament yet is it still an option most definitely it's we're in we're in january i think it's less of how far devo will take it and if he returns to himself and more of brazil because if if we look at what we were thinking brazil was going to be based on his you know, November and half of December of last year, he had 20 points three times. He hasn't had that once this year. Um, so I think it's more of, you know, Devo will do his thing. I think he's seen his volume go down because of Tremont Mark's game. They play a very, uh, you know, a similar mid-range game. I think you got to get more out of Brazil is my, is my main takeaway. But chance of making the tournament? Yeah, I mean, everybody in the country still has a chance. Yeah, I think you got to get a lot more out of several guys on this roster, but yeah, Davis is one that when I do the deep dive into stats, you kind of look at some of his numbers and you're like, Whoa, what, what is this? Now, look, there has always been some inconsistency to his game. You go back last year to his last few games scores three in the season inning loss to Connecticut before that gets 25 against Kansas 16 against Illinois. Then before that five against A&M seven against Auburn, eight against Kentucky. Um, and you go back and like, he'll have, he'll have, there were some zero point games in there a year ago. Um, this year he's kind of taken it to a new level. He's taken almost the ceiling off his game. The last four games working backwards, scoring output seven, zero, seven, two. So yes, I think he's a big part of it. Now the problem, Blake, and you're going to love me for asking you this, where was Vanderbilt in the net this time a year ago? It was in the hundreds. I, I'm pretty sure 
and maybe the 120 or 130s. Vanderbilt made a late charge, I think won 11 SEC games, won a few in the tournament, and eventually, despite a, a lot of quality wins, got left out because the net was around 80. The, the problem is you've banked half a season so far, if you include the out-of-conference portion, and Arkansas has banked so much bad work in the net that not only is it going to have to win games, is going to have to start winning some of these games by a lot of points in order to make it brown. I, mean, I think what's the the lowest ranked team in the net that's ever made it? I think NC State made it one year at, at 74, maybe. That's off the top of my head. Point is, Arkansas is not only going to win games. Scoring margin plays into this, and, and so much work has been banked. I think it's going to be really tough to move that number I mean, I think they're going to have to be in the 60s before we can start thinking about this as a possibility. Now, I don't know how much Arkansas is going to have to win some of these games by to get there. Does anybody remember what Arkansas was in the SEC last year in their first six games? Tell them, Blake. One and five. It wasn't good. It was terrible. They were one and five. (laughs) The difference this year is that they had more – quality non-conference yeah. wins yeah. last year than they do this year. Yeah. So, and they finished I'm still eight believing. and 10. I'm still believing. C- correct Actually, me if I'm wrong. Options. I think, I think Arkansas was still 30 or thirties, maybe forties in the net at this time last year with those losses. I, I, I hope you're right. Difference. I've not, I've not pulled out my, my official 2023 guide to the net this morning. Um, the mind but, is a powerful thing. That and could be right. I just got their mind. Do we, right. do we have an archive of net rankings we can go to? Boy, I hope so because we're going to send you off to do that. We're going to send you to go to the National Net Archives, um, and yeah, that's what we're going to do because I'm not going there with you. Uh, all right, yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting for Arkansas. I think that's a good way to put it. So they just got to win games. Win games, it takes care of itself. That's exactly what I said. I've said that every year. Just win games, your net ranking will rise, or maybe it won't because it's the net. All right, let's go to the next question. Official Hurt Life Rick is back with LSU talk. Okay, so basically my question is I've watched Coach Matt McMahon coach and develop John Moran into a pro. Also watching him at LSU coach and develop Tyrell Ward and Jalen Reed. Do you think he's getting undervalued as a coach in the SEC? I feel like we brought this up on a recent video about how, what did we say? Everyone wanted him, was like, you know, who's going to be the next coach at LSU? Is he getting fired? All this, that was not that long ago. But I think... I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was if you consider where what he came into, knowing the challenges ahead. Um, last year was a huge disappointment for them to, you know, because remember that team started 12 and one last year and they wound up being 14 and 19 uh, at the end of the season. But when you look at how this team is coming together, like we thought they'd be better this year, it didn't look good early, but now that they've got their full roster and you're seeing how like the question mentions, like, you know, some of their guys are starting to develop and you're getting a little bit more consistency out of guys not named Jalen Cook and Jordan Wright. Um, yeah, like this is why LSU is playing as well as they are right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I don't know if undervalued just in terms of like, you know, you can't erase what happened last season. So like people are going to be down on him coming into this year and LSU fans are going to be unhappy and all that. But is he being, being undervalued right now during this run? Maybe, because I do think they're starting to figure some things out, and clearly they're improving in a lot of areas, whereas last year it just felt like they could never push the right buttons to to get that level of improvement. But players are improving. They're improving overall as a team in different areas, and so you can thank the coach for you know that because, again, I think he's figuring out what they need to do, and he's getting the buy-in, and that's what we said too. It's like you could easily think about the season they had last year, even though they've added a lot of new players. It's like, man, you get in some of these games like the Auburn game where you're down a gazillion points. Nah, you know what? Who cares, right? Like, let's just go. We'll just take the beating, get out of here. And but no, like they, that team fought back and made it interesting. I know they lost by 15, but um, yeah. So I, I think Matt McMahon, good coach. It was a tough first season, but. A lot of coaches have had tough first seasons and found a way to turn it around. So, yeah, I don't know how much to to add there. You pretty much nailed it, Blake. It, you got to remember his first full off season with the with the program came in late last last summer. So, 
I mean, he's look at how good this I wouldn't say good, how tough this team has gotten now when he gets his type of when he gets all a full offseason with his guys and get brings in Jordan Wright. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, but this is it just feels more like a Matt McMahon team. A guy, you know, the Murray Murray State was just they were scrappy. You know, they just they would always out hustle. Uh, I mean that he had that arena rocking. Yeah, LSU wasn't rocking last year. You know, now he's he's starting to pick up the culture there at LSU and implement the things that he wants to do. So undervalued, I think maybe more like we were too quick to some judgment. If that if that makes any sense, but um, I love what he's doing right now. Overvalued, undervalued. I think everyone's going to start recognizing uh, how important he is for this LSU program. I think it's be it's a to be determined question. Yeah. I mean, J- John Morant developing him, yeah, okay, that's he's got a point there, but that's a that's in a one in a million situation. I mean, those those don't happen very often. I'm not taking away credit for him for that, but I'm just saying, you know, ch- chances of repeating that over and over are slim. Look, he's 25 and 25 in his career at LSU. He is what. Five and seventeen in the SEC at this point. Uh, took over a, a difficult situation. I don't know that he's undervalued. I, I think you've got to be encouraged as you watch him. I've had a lot of nice things to say about LSU and the way that it's played lately. I think that A and M game on the road got my attention a little bit. I, I think if you got to point to what he's doing, I, I think he's done a great job with Jordan Wright this year. Um, Jordan Wright's playing better than he did at Vanderbilt a year ago. So I, I think I'm going to withhold judgment. I'm encouraged by what I've seen lately, but it's it's also a very small sample size. All right. Pretty straightforward question here. <laughs> Rambo Mizzou asks, why do we suck? Well, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not the head coach. But you put that on Dennis Gates. Um, in all seriousness, like I – I realize, like this question is, uh, you know, look, it's pretty straightforward. There's no way around it. But like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use this kind of language. However, I will say, why is Missouri struggling? Um, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. You guys maybe can add more, but like, I'm just gonna say the same thing I've always said: is it's just they had more room for error last year because they were so good in so many different areas. This year. They are not elite in really any area statistically outside of, again, blocking shots, maybe forcing some steals. Last year, they were elite in every every offensive category last year. They were pretty much, you know, <laughs> at, in a, in a top-tier conversation. Like, they were so good. Again, they, they were a good free throw shooting team. They were good, you know, they were shooting 56% from two last year, top 15 in the country. They were top 75-ish in three-point percentage, top 20 in effective field goal percentage, top 40 in turnover percentage, top 10 in adjusted offensive efficiency, top seven in turnover percentage defense, top two in steal percentage, like all those things, right? They're not, there's nothing this year other than, Again, the blocks and the and the turnovers and those kind of things. Like they're still a really good free throw shooting team, but that only gets you so far because they're not shooting it as well. They still need to get a lot of their points from three. They're not getting that um, because they're only shooting thirty three point four percent. They don't have a Kobe Brown. They don't have a Demoy Hodge. Did you know? You can question. Okay, well, did the staff do a good job of putting this roster together? Did they just you know swing and miss on some of these guys? As always, you're going to swing and miss on certain guys. Like it just it happens when you bring in as many new guys as teams do now. Um, we could not have projected a John Tanjay injury. He's out for the season, barely played this year, and now he's out for the year. And so all those things combine them all together. That's where like you could get away with some of those things last year if you just take one of those things away. But when you take all of it away, and you have again a guy you expected to play that has not really been a factor this year, out for the season now. Caleb Grill's been out for how long, Max? So this is just the nature of how things can, you know, again, it's that room for error. You can't afford to have injuries, all that stuff, if, you know, you're just a team that's kind of 
middle of the road in a lot of different areas. And that just, that's kind of where Missouri is right now is they're just not, they're still struggling defensively. All the, I mean, there's a lot I rattled off there, but you think about how great everything came together last year to make that a magical season. It's almost been the opposite this year where things have just, it, it, you become even, right? Like it's, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld, even Steven, like you just, you're all the way up here, all the way down here. And like, it just kind of evens out. And I feel like that. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's where we are. Wow, that was impressive. Look, look at what oh. we got here. Our resident Dennis Gates hype man, knowing his knowing all of his Mizzou stats like back of his hand. I don't have all those stats on the back of my hand, but I will tell you this, and it just as a, a dumb-it-down explanation, you lost your stars, the guys you brought in are all injured. I mean, I don't, if you want to make it as simple as possible, you brought in two perimeter threats, and both of your perimeter threats are, are injured. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's kind of my... That's that's my takeaway is is you lost a lot and what you brought in is injured. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, Blake Blake had stats and I'm going to give you some different stats that expand on the issue. Um, I always keep a list of what do guys do per 70 possessions because I want to know like if if somebody gets hurt and somebody has to step up when his replacement is on the floor. What might that look like? Can somebody take on a bigger role? And I know it doesn't always work that way because sometimes you can put up those numbers in a supporting role, and when you're the guy who's the focus of defenses, it changes. I, I get that stats don't tell you everything, but they tell you some things. And per 70 points or per 70 possessions, Missouri's top two guys in scoring from a year ago were John Tanjay, went through that, barely played, he's injured, and the other one was Connor Vanover. 19.6 points per 70 possessions a year ago. He did that in the Summit League at Oral Roberts, which is nothing like the SEC. Sometimes those things translate. Sometimes they don't. And in, in fact, this in this case, Connor Vanover has played at another SEC school in Arkansas, and he was not that kind of player. You look down the list at per 70 possession scoring numbers. Nick Honor last year, 10.6. Sean East, 12.6. That's why I'm a little surprised that East took a, a jump up to what he's been because nothing on paper pointed to him being that guy. It has happened. Credit Dennis Gates for that. Caleb Grill, 12.9%. Tamar Bates, 12 point, uh, not percent, 12.3 points for Tamar Bates, and that would have been 12.9 uh, for Caleb Grill. Noah Carter is the best they had, 17.5, uh, throwing out Vanover and Tanjay. Uh, and then Jesus Carolero, who's come on lately for them, 17.1. Uh, when you're looking for a a go-to score, those guys are usually getting 22 and up per 70 possessions. It, it just feels like Missouri did not have the guys who could do that without somebody taking a jump up. Sean East did that. Tamar Bates does it on some nights. But on the whole, this was not Kobe Brown and Demoy Hodge and some of the guys they had a year ago, they just didn't have anybody who'd performed at that level. And I think that's what you're seeing. But I also think it can be as simple as what Max said, because I'm going to yeah. read you exactly what my friend Sam Snelling did. Sorry, Sam, if you don't be reading your writing on air, I'm doing it. Um, I like to give credit to him. Rock Nation in the preseason. He did this in July. Okay. Sam knows Missouri basketball better than anybody I know. Um, when he's figuring out the rotation for the roster, he had different tiers of guys. 
the tier of here's who I think is safe. Nick Honor, Noah Carter, Caleb Grill. The exact comment. Grill is a little guy's, a little things guy who's low usage. He defends well, can stretch the floor. So I imagine he'll be the guy who finds his way to a lot of minutes. He hasn't played in how long? Weeks. Months. What's else like? <laughs> um, who is going to take a step forward? The first guy at the top of this list, John Tanjay. <laughs> he's probably closer to the Moy Hodge than Golston when it comes to shot creation, but he's also one of the few players on the roster with experience producing at a high level. Okay, so you take out two of maybe the projected top four players on this team. Completely different. So yep. it's just a different team. And again, if you you know that you brought in other guys who were not expected to play that important of a role. They were supposed to be guys that filled a certain void, played a role, but not expected to be the one of the guys. I feel like those two guys were expected to be one of the guys. And when you don't have them, it just it throws things out of whack. And we've seen that. It's just not been enough to overcome some of those little things um, this season. So, Yeah, and, and as a footnote to that, Blake, Tanjay not only was their, their best volume score based on possessions last year at his previous stop, uh, 82% from the line, 56% effective field goal percentage. Uh, those were at or near the top of the list of Missouri players coming in the year. So not only could he score a lot, but he did it efficiently. And, and yeah. he's gone. All right. Uh, okay, don't answer this yet because I'm going to bring up another question that's going to apply to this. We're going to knock out two questions in one here. Um, all right, so the next question from Dalton Connect fan. Do you... Dalton Connect fan wants to know. Do you think Dalton Connect is a lock for SEC player of the year? I feel like we all have to answer yes because it's coming from Dalton Connect fan. To add to this question, John Paul Jones asks, who is your SEC player of the year so far? So we're going to tie both these together. I mean, it's Dalton Connect, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say lock. By the end of the season, right now, I mean, I think with what he's doing, he's probably the SEC player of the year at this point. I mean, we've only played four games. Right. But so I mean, that's the question. So. Yeah. Through four games, I would say connect, but like not far behind at all is, is Mr. Sears at Alabama because he had, he was before connect went for what, 35 plus back to back games. In my mind, it was Mark Sears. So, and he hasn't really done anything to, to, you know, take his name off of that list. So, just connect's been amazing. I would say it's I w- I'm I'm torn between connect and Sears to be honest. In my head, it's a three man list. It's connect, it's Sears, it's Janai Broom in some order. Um, Reed Shepard would have been on the list earlier. I, I think that his scoring kind of taken a back seat as other guys have have taken over uh, is probably going to hurt him in that race. And I but win shares. Here's how it's got it right now. Uh, Mark Sears, 3.4, Broom, 2.8, Connect, 2.7, Jalen Williams, Reed Shepard, also 2.7, Antonio Reeves, 2.5, Trey Mitchell, same number, Jordan Wright at 2.5, Cam Matthews, 2.4, Michi Johnson, 2.4. I think I would go Sears, uh, but it, it could be Broom, it could be Connect, and I think it'll be fun to see how it plays out. If I'm projecting who I think can maintain their level of play, it would be Mark Sears. Just saying. I love Dark Horse might be Antonio Reeves going forward. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. I love that none of you guys mentioned Wade Taylor. I mean, I don't, you can give me the stats all you want. I get it. He's not shooting as efficiently, but I'm not saying he would get my vote right now, but he's at least got to be in the conversation. Like, we can't have a conversation without having Wade Taylor on there. Isn't you can put all those guys ahead of Wade Taylor. Mark Sears? I'll put Mark Sears. Yes. No, I'm not. Yes, no, I am no, right no. now. You're going to put every guy you just listed ahead of Wade Taylor. Every single guy in win shares you're going to put ahead of Wade Taylor. Cam Matthews. No, not, not all 10 of them. I'm just okay. giving you a list to make sure we don't forget anybody. <laughs> but that's my question. Is That's what I was asking. Like, who all would you put ahead of Wade Taylor right now? I'm just curious. Like, I'm just – it's a conversation. I, I could not put him in front of my 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 leading three. I'm not saying I would either. I'm just asking who all beyond that would you put ahead of him? 
Well, here's what Kim Palm says. Here's how it's got the top five. Broom, Sears, Wade Taylor, Connect, Adu. That's that's the top five in the Ken Palm Player of the Year SEC race. I think which I don't always speaking. subscribe to, but that's that's one man's computer's opinion. Adu's problem is he plays with Connect. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to be Jonas Adu. So. Jeez. Oh, You're just Debbie Downer, man. Wade Taylor, well, you, just, you suck. You, just you said scored it. 41 points and almost carried You just team said he that. plays with Dalton Connect, so he's not. And then I it's say it. And dismissing you're like, any you're idea crazy. of this guy finishing the season with a double-double in every game the rest of the way and not even having a chance. No chance for Jonas Adu. Jonas Adu, here's why he th- doesn't think you have a chance. Because you're on my fantasy team this week. He doesn't <laughs> like you. He doesn't want you to succeed. Just like he doesn't want Mark Sears to succeed, which we'll get to here in a second. We're going to wrap up the mailbag with a Mark Sears question. And I want to see what Chris does. He's going to be trying to get out the door back there. All right. But we'll get I to have that a name. Time. I have a name I want to include in this conversation that has not been there previously. And that's Jalen Williams. Yeah. I think he needs go. to be yeah, in this conversation. Jalen Williams was tremendous the other night. Yes. Put him in this conversation. You, you said he was in the wind chairs somewhere, Chris. Where was he? He was like he was. fourth in the wind chairs, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. But but I think he's is it's it's the it's the same problem with Adu and Connect. He's not yeah. going to get it over Janai yeah. Broom. Yeah. True. Interesting. All right. Well, Wade Taylor, I think you're pretty good. I don't know what these <laughs> other two guys think. Um, he gives me wait, another. Have you, ever, have you ever have you ever ghost written any books on gaslighting? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Chris. We'll get to your question here in just a second. All right, Sam, back again. Tennessee, uh, not a Tennessee question this time. What scheduling model would you like to see the SEC use next year with Texas and Oklahoma joining, as well as a model for the SEC tournament? Oh, oh boy. So this is where we start getting into the tough questions because, look, SEC tournament-wise, you got 16 teams. Um, four teams get a buy now. Who, who, else, who else has 16 teams? Other conferences, anybody? I have no clue. No, I don't think so. What did What's the Big East 15? get up to back in the day? I don't know. It the ACC high. has 15, right? Yeah, I think. So they use the... I don't know. This uh, is I don't know how, they forget how they do their buys. Um, Not the question, just where we are. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm trying to think. The, the math wizards out there are going to be able to put this together in their head. I am not a math wizard. Um, so like I'm trying to think of how you would slot those in terms of the 16 teams. Cause I don't, you wouldn't just go one sixteen and all that. Like you got to give teams buys, right? right? I mean, otherwise it, it, I would not do that because then you're running the risk of just the 16 beating the one somehow. And like, then you're knocking your inside. Like, yeah. I don't know about yeah. That. Um, do you the, just have the teams ACC is playing a 20 game schedule by the way? Yeah. The conference. Yeah. I mean, just I think you just I would say do it the same way, and the bottom two teams don't make the tournament. Ooh, sure, that's interesting. Because yeah, I mean, I'm... in a sixteen-team league, I mean, is it that you know upsetting to leave out the team that finishes fifteenth and sixteenth? Or maybe you just have the bottom four play each other to get into the to get in to the. You could do that too. Uh, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate that idea either. Yeah, have the bottom four play each other. And then you just slide them into those slide them spots. up in. Yep. Yeah, I like that better actually. So, so you you'd have a six day tournament. If yeah, your bottom four, I mean, you got to win six to make it. More money in six days. Yeah, yeah. make it a week. I mean, so. but guys, those those we already love those Wednesday night games as it is. I mean, can you imagine two nights of that? A Tuesday night? I mean, woo wee. That's what you would do. Yeah, I think Max is on the the scalping market in Nashville would just be popping for that tuesday night game what makes the most sense in my head i guess yeah because if you left the two teams at the bottom out look i'm you know sorry but (laughs) (laughs) i I, you want them to play so they can get the money so they're not going to leave the bottom two teams out everybody's going to be in um so i think i think what max said is what's going to happen gosh the tuesday night into the wednesday night into oh boy sign me up what an interesting thing that's going to be so what, what does the I SEC track. tournament do? Do they do they leave teams out? I'm no, trying to uh, find it now. Hold on. I here's, no, all right. Here's do. what the, the the ACC has three first round games. So you got six teams in there, and then you got two teams that get 
Oh, I'm sorry. You you got um you got one team like what is it? The top the top four seeds get a double buy, and the top well, and then there's four more teams that play the second round game that don't play the, the first round. So it's like tiered into three groups. So you do have to win six games coming out of that, I guess. I mean, I don't know, man. Like five games, excuse me. I'm gonna tell you right now. Like, I think the value of the tournament conference tournaments are only getting worse. Yeah. Um. So like, because we've seen so many years in a row now, it does not. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, like, and that's where. Remember, here's what we were talking about, and why I think the six day format would be tough. If I'm the SEC, I am moving this sucker up to Saturday in the championship. This Sunday championship means nothing. We've seen it year after year after year. It doesn't mean anything because the the bracket's already been made. And so I think the SEC should find a way. Maybe you start the tournament on Monday and go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, championship on Saturday. That's what I, I like would say. That. I but like that. If you keep playing on Sunday, you know it doesn't matter. We just see it every year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't hit the, we hit the tournament more than we hit the regular season. I have a feeling this is what's coming. I mean, because why not? The SEC announced this in baseball in November. You get two permanent opponents. So you can go, you can Google that and find it pretty easily. For example, Alabama's permanent opponents in baseball, Auburn and Tennessee, Arkansas, Ole Miss and Missouri. I believe Sam's a Tennessee fan. So um, Alabama Vandy would be the permanent opponents in baseball. I, I don't know why it would be any different from basketball. I would just keep all the same. Yeah, just might as well. Permanent and just do it that way. Yeah. So that's probably a good idea. All right. On to this next one. Uh, Kendall wants to know, if Bama can limit Dalton Connect to 10 <laughs> points or less, does Alabama win Saturday? Mm. And uh, who does Bama put on him to limit him best? Nelson, Diabate, or someone else? I'll take a stab at answering the last part, the second part of the question. I think it's got to be Rylan Griffin. I think Rylan Griffin's your best, yeah. your best perimeter defender. Um, but can Bama limit Dolan Connect to ten points? I mean, <laughs> I don't, if they I don't do, they're winning. There's my prediction. Yeah, I don't know if anyone can limit him to ten points right now with the way he's been playing the past three games. If he, if they do, yeah, they're gonna win probably. Uh, so. <laughs> I just I, I laughed when I saw ten points because I'm on my on the other half of my screen I have Dolan connects past three games up, um, but but, who, but but before that he did have he ooh, did he did have a game where he had eight. He also had a game he where he had, had two. Win, probably if well, he, he had a eight. game where they had eight and they beat Ole Miss by twenty, what six? So <laughs> it's it's tough to even predict that Alabama beats him if he only has less than ten because like. It's got to be Riley Griffin on him. Yeah. Got to be Riley Griffin. He, he had a three-game stretch from December 12th through the 21st. Now, they're playing Georgia Southern, NC State, Terrellton State. That's not how much he's needed in two of those games. Probably not a lot. But he went seven, two, and six in those games. All right. Let's hope that does not happen Saturday for my sake. I think we're all rooting for that. All right. So, on to the next one. Vic Shelton. Do you guys want me to get the backstory with Vic, or do you want me to ask the question first? Sure. Um, all right, we'll ask. We'll do the question first, and then we'll get to the backstory. He wants to know uh, who has the most favorable favorable schedule remaining. <clears throat> team most likely to play spoiler: South Carolina, Ole Miss. Maybe we can include other teams in there too. I think that'd make for an interesting conversation. Uh, schedule. What's What's Ken Palm have as the uh, easiest schedule? I think it's Alabama. Yeah. And Auburn's actually second. <laughs> so if you want the standings to change, good luck. Um, but again, some of that two factors in the fact that they're good, right? And so you compare their to, to, to other teams and all that. So, I mean, I guess if I look at those two schedules, Alabama, I don't know. I mean, Alabama's still got to go on the road to Tennessee. They still got to go to Auburn. They still got to go to Kentucky. Still got to go to Florida, Ole Miss, LSU. Eh, it doesn't look that favorable to me. Um, so I don't know. It, it's tough on those because 
I think a lot of it is just kind of looking at it and trying to figure out the home in a way, like who are the best mm -hmm. teams you play at home? Who are the best teams you play away? You know, and now that I look at it, actually, I think Auburn's schedule is not the worst because they do have to go to Alabama. They got to go to Mississippi state. They got to go to Tennessee, which, you know, those are all tough, but you know, you got to go to Ole Miss, got to go to Florida, Georgia, Missouri. Those are all winnable games for Auburn. Um, and then you get, you know, home games against Kentucky. So you get Kentucky at home. That's nice. Um, you get another home game against Mississippi State. So, yeah, I mean, unless you guys just have one that completely stands out, I, I'd say Auburn's to me, for a team that's been as dominant as they are, like it it doesn't feel like it's the worst schedule out there. So, yeah, I mean, they, they avoid they avoid Tennessee and Kentucky both twice. Um, they do play Mississippi State twice, which is a if I'm making the the top half of the the power rankings right now, they're in there. They play Alabama twice, uh, which also we've had at number four consistently. So yeah, it's not. I mean, some of their easier games are already behind them. Um, not not that A and M and LSU are easy, but they got them at home. The road trip so far been to Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Those are the worst two teams in our power rankings so far. So Auburn has gotten past some of the easier part of the schedule already. I'll be honest. I think Missouri has the easiest schedule remaining. Uh, they don't have to play Tennessee. They don't have to play Kentucky. They don't have to play Alabama. And the only time that they get Auburn is at home on March 5th. Um, so you're pretty much avoiding our the top four there that we've had in our power rankings the past few weeks. Uh, you completely avoid them, and then you get Auburn at home on your second-to-last game. I mean, go through their away games, A&M and Carolina, Bandy, Ole Miss, Arkansas and Florida, and then LSU. I mean, you're you're pretty much avoiding the, the top of the conference there for Mizzou. So I, I would go with them. That's a good point. They're toughest. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Two road games from here forward are South Carolina and Florida. Uh, they, don't, they don't run into much. No, I think, I, I think yeah. that's the answer. Yeah, maybe. So um, those are interesting. All right. So the backstory with Vic here. So Vic is a coach. Okay. He's a high school coach. And he was actually coaching when I was still playing in high school. And he was an assistant coach. I think this is right. Vic's going to tell me if I'm wrong. Um, and this better be the right Vic. If I'm like talking about someone who's not the Vic, I'm just kidding. I'm, it is. Um, so he's an assistant coach. I guess uh, for for rival team, my senior year, we played a double overtime game at their gym, and I will tell you to this day, I still have nightmares about this erroneous travel call that sent this game to overtime. We lost a double overtime, and I'll just tell you, it's a game I don't forget. I don't blame Vic for it, but just want him to know that I still think about this game. It's tough. Those games stick with you. Years later, decades later, they stick with that you. That stings. They stick with you. Erroneous travel call, all because of a bum referee decided that he wasn't going to let us win the game. Just a bum travel call, charge call. It was all just, it was SEC officiating out there. All right. <laughs> on to the next one. I figured Chris would have a comment, but he doesn't. Yep, he does. I, I'm, I'm just thinking Jeff Green. But it was the other oh. situation where they didn't call a travel. Sorry, Vandy fans. This was worse than Jeff Green. This was worse. Wow. Worse it than really Jeff was. Green? Like it was, I mean, you know, but I will say this too. Just this is another part of this. I remember this again, the basketball in me. 
Also, if you're going to get an erroneous travel call and you set up your defense and the other team has a chance to hit a three to tie the game, to send it to the first overtime, you want to make sure you're on the same page with your fellow guard. Because if you're not, both of you are going to go to one side of the zone and we're going to let a guy sneak out to the corner and be wide open and hit a three to send it to overtime. Mm. I'm not bitter. Usually personal, but <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, look, Vic's moved on to bigger and better things. I have to, but listen, that game, that game took a you, lot. Of- you have, you have so not moved on for that game that we, I think neglected to answer the second part of Vic's question. Oh, you're right. Anyways, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who's going to play spoiler. The referees in that game are going to play spoiler. Somebody sees it. So, who's going to play the spoiler? Ole Miss, South Carolina, teams like that. Um, is anybody else? I mean, I guess technically we could say Arkansas because they are one and three right now. Yep. But I mean, I guess we could also apply that to A and M. They're one and three. Mississippi State's one and three. So if we just take maybe a couple of those teams out of the equation, I still think Ole Miss is going to be okay. And maybe I'm proven wrong here. I just think they're going to be one of these teams that loses on the road and plays really well at home. That's not unlike most teams. So I think Ole Miss can play the spoiler. Um, because if you look at again too, scheduling wise for them, eh, well, they play Alabama at home. Actually, I might take that out. They play Auburn at home, Oof. Mississippi State at home. Yeah. They got some tough road games, man. <laughs> I don't know if it is over. They got some tough road games. So, but I think they got a shot. Yeah, I would say either Ole Miss or I would say Ole Miss or Arkansas because they're probably going to lose games on the road, but they're going to have enough confidence and good enough coaching that they're going to be. It's going to be a tough game to play at their place, and you and you might drop a game when you play at Bud Wallen or you play at. I uh, will call it the Pavilion. It's the tad pad in my mind, but um. Yeah, it's just they're teams that are really tough to play at. Same with the hump with Mississippi State. Like teams that have a, a really, really strong home court advantage, but are probably gonna drop the game when they go on the road. Uh those are those are the teams I'm looking at. Well, spoiler can mean different things. Arkansas certainly could be spoiler for reasons you outline. I think if it's between South Carolina and Ole Miss, I would take Ole Miss. Yeah. Now that Studi's hurt. And also now that I mean Ole Miss, the parts are there. I mean We've talked about having the, the two big erasers underneath, Alan Flanagan, the, the Murrays. Ole Miss has got a lot of really nice players to where I think if if the roster comes together and teams maximize their potential, if it's between those two teams, it's Ole Miss. But, guys, here's something for you. Without looking, who's Ken Palm got finishing fifth in the SEC right now? No cheating. Mississippi State? Nope. Blake, you get a guess. Um, Georgia? Multiple teams? Georgia. Yeah, you nailed it. I'm, I'm shocked. Hold on. Hold on. Hold yes. On. Georgia has got George, Ken Palm no, has got no, Georgia no, no, going no. nine and nine. No, no, no. There's there's yeah. four teams he's got going nine and nine. <laughs> and Georgia's one of them. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're finishing fifth. That means they're finishing tied for fifth with three other teams, which means they could well, finish either fifth yes, or ninth. Yes, and, and, and in so, my defense, the way that he's got this, you can't sort by projection. So it's got Georgia up there at nine and nine. Uh, it looks like it's in order by projected, and he's got a bunch of eight and tens, and he drops off to four more. Yeah, nine. so finishing five I, to nine to me doesn't matter. But nine. I wasn't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, we're not wrong. I will I will give you that because, boy, are we about to bag on you here in just a minute. So I'll give you that one for now. All right. Anyways, we appreciate oh the question God. from Vic. It's too good. Oh, Vic's uh, doing well. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should call him coach because, you know, it's it's one of those things, right? You, I call guys coaches. I call, like, coaches now coaches. So Coach Gates. It's not Dennis. It's Coach Gates. Um, all right. Next up. This is the one I, I told you guys beforehand. Ooh. We are going to do this, but we are not going to do this on this mailbag episode. It's a great question. It's a tremendous question from Connor here. Clearly a Kentucky fan. If you had to draft an all-time SEC team, who would you choose? Choose a starting five, three bench players, and a head coach. There's no way we can do this in the allotted time that we have for this mailbag. So 
Max, I would like you to do some homework here. I would like you to make sure this gets on our schedule and we need to do this at some point over the next couple of weeks. I think this would be fun to do. Drafting our all-time SEC teams with a starting five, three bench players, and a head coach. Look, Max bringing out the notebook. I thought this was the rule book is the way I see it. Um, uh, it's got a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. Okay. Connor, we appreciate the question. I just think it's hard for us to do probably on this because I think we'd all want to – maybe we do this draft style too. We'll see. So could be interesting to put that together. Our on to a draft. Teams. So – Although Chris may already have his eight players and a coach in mind right now, but we're not going to get the wheels are are turning. But th- there's been so many good ones that yeah. I would have to. I, I Chris would do it off the top of my head. Chris would put Dalton Connect on there. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> would I be wrong based on the last three games? <laughs> right now, maybe not. All right, are you ready for our weekly question? And we know what it is. We get this question every single week oh, in the back. I think I know what's coming. You already know what it is. Coach Marshall, he's back. <laughs> when does the Vandy AD finally fire Jerry Stackhouse? Chris, this is always your stage. I'm not, I have no comment. Well, I, I have been on the, I think he's getting another year. Now, if they go 0-18, 1-17, 2-16, maybe not. Um, I, I, I would change the wording. I think if Vandy fires him, it will come from the chancellor, not the athletic director. All right. Um, hold on. I'm actually I got my questions in the wrong order here. So let me Uh-oh. try to figure out which one because I wanted to We are gonna get that one every week, aren't we? Yep. Uh as long as they're like playing like this, unfortunately, I think probably I'll um, be honest. I thought the question that was coming was was like why is Ole Miss gonna win the championship? Or not Ole Miss, Auburn. Why is Auburn gonna win the championship? Because we've gotten that one the past two times. Yeah. Gene, Gene didn't get his question in this week. Yeah, I'm, come sure on. I'm sure he'll be back with a vengeance if Auburn yep. is undefeated next week because that means in the midweek they will have beaten Alabama. So, um, all right, let's go to this one. Juju Murray, old Miss star. Um, it's not him. He wants to know, is Chris Beard the best coach in the SEC right now? I think this is an interesting question, too, about coach of the year type stuff. Now, yeah. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. A, if we want to take it awards base, we can. But best coach could also mean who is the guy that's getting the most out of his team that he has. Um, so I don't know. I guess it depends on which way you guys want to take this question. I, coach I, of the year to me is Bruce Pearl right now. Yeah. Because of how dominant Auburn's been. But I feared to be the best coach based on what he's gotten out of Ole Miss. I think you could make that argument too. I think it's too early to too early to draw like a concrete conclusion from it, but he's got to be in the conversation. I mean, how many other coaches in the nation could have taken Ole Miss from what they were last year and made them into what they are right now? I mean, it's the list is could count it on my hand. It's not many. So you know, you know who I think the coaches would vote right now if it wasn't Bruce Pearl, Lamont. I think it'd be Mike White. Uh, Mike White, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be Mike White. So. I know the uh, I know SEC Network. Um, I think it was halftime of the the Auburn Ole Miss game, and the analysts said that they would have Chris Beard as coach of the year right now. But I think that it's a conversation of a few different coaches. But I think, geez, I, I don't think I can co- concretely answer that with he's the best. I don't. I wouldn't say that. I think that it's a conversation of a few different guys. How, how do we define best? Yes, because I mean uh, that 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 could change over the last month, the last year, the last ten years. Like if you're, who's the most accomplished coach in this league? I mean, well, spoiler alert: we haven't named him yet. Yeah, there's it's a, there's a few. Dennis it, Gates. <laughs> Is he the best coach in the SEC right now? I would oh, say okay. no, but he's up there. That's well, you also don't know what you're talking about, Max. So. Let's not – come on. Let's not hate on Dennis Gates here. Okay? Come on, Max. We're I was talking about be... Chris Beard. Oh, Chris Beard. Okay. Well, I <laughs> sure so defensive hate... against Dennis Gates so quick. Sure hate... <laughs> <laughs> I was being 100% serious, of course, Max. Um, <sighs> yeah. Anyways. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys something. 
And and I'm going back and looking at the coaches in the Hall of Fame and at the at the coach the college coaches that have most recently been inducted. I'm going to go work backwards. Gene Cady, this is men's coaches uh, from Division One. There's some women's coaches in here and some lower level ones. I'm going to skip over those. Bob Huggins, 2022. Jay Wright, 2021. Eddie Sutton, 2020. Uh, Lefty Drizel, 2018. Bill Self, 2017. Tom Izzo, 2016. Um, John Calipari, 2015. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Nolan Richardson, 2014. Gary Williams, 2014. So if, if that is considered kind of the recent bar for who's a Hall of Fame coach, how many coaches from this league could we eventually see in the Hall of Fame that are coaching in the SEC right now? We got about. I don't know if we have enough time to ponder that. Uh, at on least this three. At least three. I think there's one, two, three. At least, yeah, I would say at least three right now. I mean, I, I think you could see Bruce Pearl, Nate Oates, Rick Barnes. Cal's already in there. Chris Beard, uh, potentially Buzz Williams or Eric Musselman. Now, that might be reaching a little bit, but, I mean, those guys are all, you know, some of those guys might have 10, 15 years of coaching in front of them. Maybe yeah, not Bruce Pearl, but but impossible to yeah yeah it, yeah. it is. But the point is, if we're even if we're even mentioning name, look, it is a beauty pageant of coaches in this league. True, I have a hard time with the question because it 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 can change depending on where you draw your timeline. All right, and we've worked our way to this because there's only one it's question that's deserving it. of the final spot here. And I would just like to let you know that neither Max or nor I, we didn't we didn't solicit this question. We didn't ask for this question. No. This is the people's mailbag. Yes. This is the people who decide <laughs> what these questions are. Not Max, not myself, not Chris Lee Bears. None of that. It's just the people who want the hard truth. That's what they want here. They want the facts only. And so it is now time to give the facts to our final mailback question of the week from Brett, who mm. wants to know, why does Chris Lee dislike Mark Sears? Hmm. I think this is not just, a, I'm going to point this out. This is not just a question that Brett wants to know. It's a question that America wants to know. <laughs> so with that, the subject of the question Chris, why do you dislike Mark Sears? You know, there are podcast hosts. There are also instigators and agitators. <laughs> My man Blake Lovell knows how to instigate and agitate. So let, let me just give me give me the floor for a minute, please, guys. This is a mailbag. Dear Mark Sears, I like you a lot. Just just taking personal stuff out of it. I just I just pumped you up as potentially the SEC player of the year. You were on my draft board when we came to draft last week. But guess what? They're instigators and agitators. Sometimes those guys can rig drafts where they pick first. Dear God. This is like you know, it's it's it's. Did you lose an election? Because this is what it sounds like right now. Not, it's generally not personal, but you're either for me or against me. And you know what? Mark Sears has been against me the last couple last week. He's going to be against me Saturday. Mark Sears, it's air the transfer portal. It's air tampering. I could love you just as much as Dalton Connect if given the chance. And you know what? That ankle's healthy. Maybe you get the chance to earn my love next week. Thank you very much. Oh, don't clap for that garbage. Don't don't clap for that entire spill of just complete and utter. I I almost said it here, Chris. That was beautiful. You won't pay us if I say those words. Um, 
<laughs> my goodness this is just i have i have no response to this this is about the mark sears again your ankle is is everything all right and just know that two of two of the three here are all about the health of your ankle one of us is not just keep that in mind as we go into the weekend and what led you to this point to get an ankle injury going into the biggest game of the SEC season at this point. So that's all I got. Brett, thank you for the question. I thought it was a a very good question. I thought it was really an A-plus question. Moral of the story is we're playing SEC fantasy here, and we're not messing around. That's what I'm taking from it. Well, some of us more so than others. Some of us are willing to go the extra mile and i'd say the leader takes well okay okay you too (laughs) i'm backing you up chris i'm backing you up you too you know what the scoreboard talks and losers walk okay now we just take oh there we go all right yeah way to go max you just you just backed up the guy who just basically called you a loser so anyways all right i was for all our questions for the week Thank you to everyone for the great questions. Um, as always, be sure to leave those every Thursday slash Friday morning. We'll do this uh, Friday morning and yeah, leave them on Twitter for us and we'll get to them. And um, like I said, the ones we don't, we're not able to get to, we'll maybe make some special episodes for them if they apply like Connor's question. So we appreciate you guys here and uh, always a good time. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed doing it. Thanks as always for listening and watching. And thank you to those who submitted questions. This is Southeastern 14, presented by Bet Online. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 